This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And I suck you up and I spit you out and I play with your babies till you scream and shout, oh Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome to the Burn It All Down Hot Take Early WNBA Playoffs Edition. Lindsay Gibbs here, joining me is one of my favorite people, Erica Ayala. <laughs> How are you, Erica? Ooh, I am reeling after watching these uh, first few WNBA playoff games, but other than that, I'm making it. Yeah, uh, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, Just to give everyone an (laughs) overview, uh, I'm going to be talking to Erica first. We're going to be talking about all things Phoenix Mercury. Uh, We'll we'll look at the Dallas. We'll talk about that Dallas-Phoenix first round matchup. The Dallas, I mean, the, excuse me, the Phoenix-Connecticut second round matchup, which Erica was courtside for. And we'll give us all the behind the scenes details there. And then we will go and uh, preview the Seattle uh, semifinals against Seattle. Now, later on, I will have Ari Chambers on, and we'll talk about all things Sparks, Mystics, and uh, Atlanta-related. So just to give everybody a little bit of an overview. Um, Let's just start, first of all, the Liz Cambage farewell game. Hopefully not farewell game. I don't know. It's so hard to tell. I have so many mixed emotions Um, and had them watching that game. Uh, Were you able to watch this uh, Phoenix-Dallas game? And were you surprised that Phoenix completely cruised to the win? Yeah. So I was in and out for this game. um, But as far as being surprised, um, as I'm sure we'll get to, like, you can't really be surprised when it comes to Phoenix and what they can do in the postseason in particular. Um, I think, you know, Dallas had such an emotional win over the Las Vegas aces to even make the playoffs. And we know that a lot of the conversation this season, Lindsay has been um, not just the travel, but really the, 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 shortness of the season I mean I know that you talked on on burn it all down about there's three weeks missing from what these players are are used to it's crazy that's so much time it's it's wild (laughs) it's wild and I think you know you look at the first half and and Dallas was was hanging in there with with Phoenix they outscored them I mean by one point there in the second quarter but then you start to see them fizzle and fade. And unfortunately, that's kind of been a little bit of a theme of these playoffs so far. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it definitely, look, it's the playoff format as it is really rewards the higher seeds. And Mm -hmm. that's 
understandable because it should, you know, you should certainly not have uh, a disadvantage if you have a better record in the in the regular season. You know, there's a there's a reason that the reason I like this playoff format so much is because it really does make every regular season game matter up until the very end. And that's something you don't get in many leagues. And so you really see the teams that had really long stretches throughout the season where they were couldn't win a game like the Connecticut Sun and the Dallas Wings at times, you know, are are falling to teams who were able to kind of pick themselves up a little bit quicker and, you know, were able to get past their rough patches faster. Um, but, you know, for me watching that Dallas team, you know, you just can't understate how good Liz Cambage and Skylar Dickens-Smith are. And they both certainly had games in the mid-20s, I believe, and, 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 you know, played like the stars they are. But you've got – you have to have a third option in this league <laughs> and a fourth option. And yeah. ultimately, they were doing it all themselves. I mean, I think they were really missing some players that are injured. Um, you know, they, they gave up Ariel Powers in that trade, and Ariel Powers has been making things happen off the bench for the Mystics. And Taylor Hill now has an injured ankle and couldn't even play in the, you know, the Dallas playoff game. And right. so, you know, and they, of course, they lost Kareem at Christmas Kelly earlier in the year, who when she gets hot, she can be just that threat you really need from the outside. Um, we didn't see much from Glory Johnson in this game. I thought it was a little bit disappointing, honestly, in her mm-hmm. kind of performance. And overall, it's just they just didn't have enough. Two big stars is not enough to win in this league. It's just not. It's not. It's not for a team, especially, again, last one in, as you mentioned, Liz Cambage, 22 points in that game. Skylar Diggins-Smith, uh, 23 points. But uh, other than that, you get no one that even reaches 10 um, and, you know, they were able to get, they signed Maggie Lucas because of all the hardships that you mentioned. Um, and I think, you know, she had a respectable seven points in about 20 minutes. Um, but you know, uh, you ask a lot for someone quite literally joining, uh, up with the team, um, in the 11th hour, Teresa yeah. Plaisance, yeah. I mean, that wasn't that wasn't going to do any. I mean, you know, that was right, exactly, right. I mean, that's a body. That's no offense a, to her at all, but yeah, that's an impossible situation. Right, exactly. It's just to have an additional body so that you can spread out those minutes, um, and she can absorb those minutes other, rather than some of the other players that you know have been banged up or unfortunately we're just not not getting it done. But you know, you see also uh, Teresa Plaisance. We saw her in the regular season, but obviously not quite up to snuff. She's, excuse me, been dealing with an injury um, herself. And, and like you said, just not enough, but also keeping in context that this was a Dallas team that was also last in last season. Um, And so Cambage, I mean, to, to kind of will this team back. And we know of course what happened with their, with coach Fred Williams. And yeah, um, let's yeah. review that just for a second in case anyone, you know, I know some people listening to this have, are following really closely. Some are probably just picking up for the playoffs. So, you Fair know, they, they had before the all-star break, they were just cruising. The Dallas wings were, and they were in the mix up at the fourth or fifth spot in the league. They had dominated the Washington mystics. Liz Cambage was having her 53 point game. And, you know, they, they, <laughs> They were really riding high after the all-star 
break, they literally couldn't win a game. They went a month pretty much without winning a game. Um, And I think overall it was nine straight losses. After the eighth straight loss, which happened in Washington, D.C., I was at that game. After the game, there was a big blow up between uh, Coach Fred Williams and an executive for the Wings, um, Greg, uh, Ken, Bib, yeah, Bib. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I got there right after it happened. And I I mean, we reported this on High Post Hoops, where both of us write for. And, you know, I mean, I I, I arrived right afterwards and the look on people's faces, (laughs) just seeing what they had seen was just was just stunning. And apparently they just started yelling and screaming at each other in the hallway, right where the media was. And, you know, both two assistant coaches were holding them back and obscenities were flying. So no surprise, Fred Williams, um, lost his job that night. Uh, and you know, Taj, uh, Taj Mac Franklin took over as the head coach, the final two games. They lost their 10, I think they lost a ninth in a row. They lost one more game after that. And then they were able to pull off the victory against the Las Vegas aces who were also really, um, trying to get that eighth spot as well. And that was, as Erica mentioned, one of the most emotional reactions I've seen to anybody winning a game besides a championship game ever. Uh, Cam Beige and Skylar Diggins-Smith were just sobbing in each other's arms. (laughs) And it, it was really powerful to see just, you know, how winning that and being able to actually make it into the playoffs meant to the team. But that pretty much took it all out of them. Yeah, and it's tough. And again, adding that with things like the travel, adding that with just how the league has made huge strides just in the talent. Uh, We see that in how the last day of the season meant so much to not just Dallas, but really for for seeding for the playoffs for everyone. It was was Um, ridiculous. Yeah, and, you know, it's it's just um, this is a Dallas team that I think – has a lot of really great pieces. Um, it's going to be interesting to see, though, now with Cambage, the uncertainty with whether she will return or not. She sounded prior to that last game uh, as though she had made up her mind after, I think, you know, she she's maybe reconsidering or, or keeping her options a little more open than, than it sounded like she was before. But then also, again, Fred Williams um, and that he was integral in bringing Cambage in. So the story has been told multiple times. I mean, Skylar Diggins-Smith has spoken favorably about Coach Williams. So, she loves him. She loves yeah. him. Yeah. And so now uh, you have two back-to-back seasons where this Dallas team uh, was unable to get over the hump. They they fought and clawed to get into the playoffs, but now with the first two rounds being single elimination games, it makes it really tough for those last two teams or that the last several teams, as you mentioned, Lindsay, um, when really getting down the stretch, knowing that they really had to fight even just to get into the uh, elimination rounds in the first place. Yeah, it's absolutely exhausting, and I mean, of course, I say we're not going to talk about this long and we're 10 minutes in and still going because that's what I do. But one question, you know, 
Taj was coach Taj was mic'd up and it was really exciting to see her you know so fiery and of course she was such a great player to watch in the league such an integral player to the WNBA and it is nice to see her getting this WNBA coaching you know head coaching opportunity although not under these circumstances of course but I have to question the fact that Azaree Stevens barely played any minutes in that second half what was that yeah yeah, um, you know, and it's hard to say. I mean, I mentioned Maggie Lucas. She had more minutes than, than Azaree Stevens. Right. Um, and you really don't know. I mean, you know, it kind of reminds me of, um, you know, what you saw with with um, Mississippi State, not this uh, yeah, Final two four. years ago with Morgan Williams. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah, and you know, every every coach has their own their own ways. I at least don't know if Azare, you know, if she tweaks something or something like that. But um, from when she was mic'd up, uh, we heard her say, you know, hey, I need you to play defense. If you're not getting it done, you, you're, you're out. Yeah, you're out. And, um, you know, that's a give and take. Um, because you want to set standards. And if you, again, in a single elimination game, there is no time for doubt. There's no time to be missing defensive assignments and, and whatnot. But also, you know, is it the right time to to make a statement if that's what was happening? I don't know. Um, you know, but it's it's definitely, uh, you know, something to, to raise an eyebrow to for sure. Yeah, and I think there are very few teams that have as many offseason question marks as the Dallas Wings uh, going in. And I think they're going to have to really rethink their roster construction, no matter what. And of course, they're going to have a big coaching decision. And um, we're going to have to see. I mean, I, I just love, I love so many players on that team. And I especially, (laughs) I really do love the superstars too. I think, Diggins Smith and Cambage are two of the best ambassadors this league could have. I mean, that's a, I can say that about a lot of players, so, you know, and I probably will tonight, but you know, you want them in more than one playoff game. You know, you yeah, want to see them do. having success um, and for, for multiple reasons, but look, the Dallas not having it together was only part of this equation on the other side. Right. You're in Phoenix and you've got not just Diana Taurasi, not just Brittany Griner, but Dewana Bonner had what thirty something points in this game. <laughs> yeah, I mean they're they're the big three for a reason for for Phoenix. And, and just, um, look at Phoenix last year when it just had the two, and then you know to this season uh, having Bonner back. Last year she gave birth to twins, and is I mean I don't think her comeback has gotten nearly enough. I know she's going to get comeback player of the year, and I still don't think she's getting enough attention <laughs> for it. But uh, yeah. I mean, she was the the leading scorer with with twenty nine points 29, for, okay. yeah, for this Phoenix team. And I remember speaking to Dewana Bonner when she earlier in the season she was playing the Liberty. The Phoenix won that game, and um, you know she was an integral part of that win. Um, and I spoke to her after this was again early in the season, and like a lot of players, she was very very complimentary of, of her teammates. And I was like, oh, I'm not, I'm not letting you off the hook. I'm not letting you off the hook, sister girl. I saw you ball. I saw you. She's like, yeah, okay, maybe, maybe. And I was like, no, you did that. Now I'm, I'm going to need you to talk about that. But, um, and it's just, like you said, coming back, 
you know, from pregnancy, I, I have never gone through that myself, but I can right, but imagine. But it seems difficult. It seems hard. Seems, seems like, you know, <laughs> it might, you know, might, might take some time to, to adjust. Um, but she's come back. She's been, you know, she came back healthy. She came back ready to play. And she came back with, you know, on this team where she's a very important piece and and she's had to you know if if she's been doubting anything and and kind of readjusting to her own body quite literally um you know it hasn't showed it hasn't showed in her performance and you know I know we'll get to the next game uh in Connecticut but again you know she just is able to step it up honestly this Phoenix team Phoenix is such an interesting team Lindsay for the ever since the format uh switched Phoenix is a team where you're like, okay, like they're kind of, you know, sticking around in that four through six spot. Sometimes it's like, all right, they go on the slide. You're like, are they going to drop to seven, eight? Um, And they're not necessarily a team that always looks good going into the playoffs. But as soon as the playoffs get started, it's just like, totally different zoned in team they remember that they are part of a franchise that has been there done that and they come to play they come to play and players like Bonner like Greiner and definitely Diana Taurasi <laughs> DT they not only bring that energy but they find ways to evoke that in all of their teammates yeah and absolutely. and at the right times they're pushing the right buttons they're saying the right things to be an effective team and i have to think that some of that comes from sandy brondello you want to, to talk say. about Dorana bonner underrated sandy just oh man every time i speak to her it's a delight she knows the game she's a player herself she's been there national team uh, coach for australia but she also understands how to talk to her players, how to understand them, how to be supportive of them. Phoenix is one of the only teams, as I understand, that has even childcare for for the players right. and and their families. Um, you know, Sandy Brondello was a player that um, Shamiqua Holdsclaw, who was just inducted to the Women's Basketball Hall of Fame, she she shouted. Sandy out as a player or excuse me as a coach when she was going through her mental health issues Sandy Brondello is is the one person is the one coach that she said really sat her down and helped her work through a very challenging time um and that's just who Sandy is and you see it in her team absolutely I mean that's I actually I didn't know that about Holtzclaw and that's incredible um to hear I just you know just on the coaching side she has to get so much credit uh, first of all, they added Sancho Little in the offseason, who was a mm-hmm. just dominating force at the four for them um, throughout the first half of the season. And I, I didn't, it didn't come across to me on the television. I just probably wasn't paying enough attention, and they get a lot of West Coast games, which I can't see. But I was, you know, when I was watching them at the Mystics, when I was sitting there courtside, she was just, it, it, it felt like, this is what they were missing. This is why they couldn't beat LA last year. This is what they were missing is like this force. And mm-hmm. of course she tore her ACL and is out for the year. And they, who Phoenix went into a tailspin after that. Understandably. So, and Sandy came in and she said, Doana, I know you haven't played the power forward position <laughs> in the WNBA since like maybe your rookie year, <laughs> but you're our best rebounder. So we're going to move you to the four. And it, 
it, it feels like it feels like it's hard to now imagine a, a world when Dewana Bonner wasn't at the fore. Like that's how, right. That's exactly. how well it's working. And I just give right. her so much credit for that. Yeah. And you know, uh, she told that story again, um, in Connecticut. And you know, what I got from that is like, she, she can talk to her players and say, Hey, this is what I need from you. It might not be what you want to do. It might not be what you're comfortable doing, but I know you can do it. Yeah. And we'll figure it out together. That's just how Sandy is. And that's how this team is. And it's easy. It could be easy for particularly with the personality of Diana Taurasi and even a Brittany Griner at times um, for, for there to be, you know, things that don't always blend well. We see how passionate and emotional those two players can get on the court. But all of that even if that's what individual players need and, and kind of use to get them ready to get in the zone, it, it never becomes, it never seems to become, at least from an outsider looking in, toxic. And again, I credit that to Sandy and being able to allow her players to do what they need to do, be who they are, but also not only know, but trust and believe in the ultimate goal of the team. Oh my God. And find, yeah, and find themselves in that. Preach. And <laughs> before we completely move on to talk about the Connecticut Sun game, I do want to mention, my, I don't know that there will be a better moment in the playoffs for me. The moment that Dewana Bonner was in the lane as Liz Cambage was charging, charging towards the basket and Bonner literally <laughs> ducked out of the way. And then she <laughs> shouted to the bench, I got two babies at home. Hey, you know, like, mama I don't no have fool. time for that. <laughs> mama ain't no fool, okay? <laughs> I just love that so much. Oh my god! And I don't blame her. I mean, you know, you know, you're you're not gonna be able to do anything to a campage who's got a full hand head as you know, right? Full no. steam ahead. Um, you Sometimes gotta, gotta let that you go. Gotta save yourself. <laughs> All right. So you know, Di- after this, Diana Taurasi was twelve and zero and eleven in elimination games, which is just a bizarre statistic. <laughs> like, who oh, does yeah. that? Who does that? Diana Taurasi. That's who. Right, um, exactly. And then they come into Connecticut, and poor Connecticut for the second year in a row. Uh, gets the four seed and host the Mercury, <laughs> uh, a team in a single elimination playoff game. And the Connecticut Sun are a very, very talented team, but they're a young team. They don't have mm-hmm. a lot of playoff success in their back pocket. They don't have um, players who have won it all, who know how to to find that extra gear. And, whew, Let's let, so let's first talk about the first <laughs> I would say thirty eight minutes of the game, <laughs> yeah, and because uh, right. the final two minutes I think belie a different game. But the first thirty eight minutes, I was I was uh, at the Mystics uh, Sparks game, and then I had to commute home, and I was writing, and I was walking my dog. So I really only sat down for the last quarter of this game. So please tell me what tell me about what it was like being in that building because it looked Ooh. intense. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, we know the state of Connecticut loves women's basketball. We know the state of Connecticut loves the Yukon Huskies. And so we know that the state of Connecticut, when the Connecticut Sun and the Phoenix Mercury, including all of the the Yukon alumna that are on that court come to play, that it's going to be lit. It's going to be live. Okay, so 
the Connecticut Sun did a great job. I thought there was a little bit of a sidebar here, but the elders, the tribal elders, the women, um, they they played a video message because the Connecticut Sun play on the Mohegan Sun Reservation. And I just thought it was the coolest thing. Like, I got a little emotional um, just for them to do that and to, to have that cultural aspect and for the elders to, you know, be able to to share their their support. So anyway, I, I like stuff like that. But anyway, so to the game, we see these two teams. Phoenix had the advantage in the regular season um, over the Connecticut Sun. We talked about the injuries that Phoenix sustained. It was the same, uh, more or less, for Connecticut. Um, a, just like... Chenea Gumake comes back from injury, but had been dealing with um, some like a an agitation, a knee agitation. Didn't play in that last regular season game, uh, the last two really. And then also you have Alyssa Thomas, who was in and out of the lineup at an important time uh, with injury. But then also Lindsay, you may remember that there was also a little bit of an altercation that that team had, and they were missing Courtney Williams. Um, I've, I do remember. Do you want to tell our audience that? a little bit? Yes. About that? Okay. So Just in for, case someone missed it. So, so at the time that we have Alyssa Thomas out, Courtney Williams was absent. And so as, they were as on this the, long uh, road trip, they're on this long road right. trip and nobody oh knew where Courtney Williams nobody knew. was. And so people started inquiring. I know Ari, who you're going to talk to about the sparks and, and whatnot. Uh, she was inquiring. Other people were inquiring, what is going on? Where is Courtney Williams? She was out for personal reasons. Didn't say death in a family. So that's kind of already kind of like, what's going on here? We find out that she, and at the time, teammate Alex Bentley got into a physical altercation that then flash forward led to a trade that sent Bentley to the Atlanta dream and sent Leisha Clarendon to the Connecticut sun. So they come back into the playoffs. They have Thomas, uh, Alyssa Thomas, Jasmine Thomas has been playing great. Courtney Williams gets back into form and the expectation is that Cheney is going to be back. All the last two regular season um, games, the Connecticut Sun knew they were in a good position to return and have a second chance, is what Kurt Miller, head coach Kurt Miller, was saying. A second chance to to really redo that single elimination game um, and, and really take it to Phoenix. And we see a back-and-forth game. I mean, this was an exciting game. Um, you know, the Connecticut Sun actually led... At, at the half, I believe it was 44-40 at halftime, the, but also very similar to last season. They led Phoenix at the half last season. Griner really only got a, um, less than a handful of looks. Um, and and so the, the crowd is riled up. But then something else that happened in the first half that's extremely important to share. I'm going to spill the tea here, Lindsay, is that we you. see Jasmine... <laughs> We see Jasmine Thomas. She's quick. She's deking. She gets past Diana Taurasi. Now, you know Diana Taurasi doesn't like to get shown up. Mm -mm. And so she's getting pushed. She's getting deked. She's about to get blown by. So she she slaps down her hand. She does get the ball. But then she follows through and hooks Jasmine. And so then... Of course, Diana is like, that's all ball. That's all ball. Jasmine's like, heck no, nah, that's a foul. That's a foul. I was shooting. You know, 
that's what you do. That's you the, try to mm-hmm. get the call in your direction. Then all of a sudden, the 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 conversation turns to where they're talking to each other. I couldn't hear what was said, but I can tell you, you know, they weren't sharing recipes. You Just know, give us saying? a guess. Give us a guess. <laughs> so I'm probably, you know, they getting in each other's face. Then that's when you know. Uh, the clapping starts. So Jasmine's clapping. She's like, heck yeah, I get this. I get this foul. When that happened, Lindsay, it happened right in front of me. I promise you I'm sitting next to Howard. I'm sitting next to Holly Rowe. I, t- I was like, Oh shoot. They done woke up. They done woke up the beast. They unleashed the beast. Diana Taurasi is about to take this game over. And that's exactly what happened. Still a close game going back and forth in the third, but then, the Phoenix Mercury start getting Brittany Griner more involved. We start seeing other players making plays, and then they make critical stops down the line to, like you said, the last two minutes. Within the last two minutes, the Connecticut Sun on an Alyssa Thomas layup tie the game. I believe it was 86 all at the time. That was the last bucket of the Connecticut season. In two minutes, in two minutes, the Phoenix Mercury go on a complete run, shut the Connecticut Sun down, and win the game to get Diana Taurasi to a perfect 13-0 and in elimination games. It was amazing. It I didn't ha- even know it was happening. No, I was about to say it happened so quickly because so the, the last two minutes of games, of close games, often have uh, so many timeouts and so many you know exactly. foul shots. But this just felt like it was literally, I blinked and they were up by eight and there was no sense to even foul anymore. Like exactly. It was, just, it it happened was wild. so quickly. And it was right after, because right before that Alyssa Thomas, or maybe, I can't remember if it was one possession or two possessions before, but Courtney Williams had hit mm-hmm. this three going oh my backwards. Gosh. And one. And one. Oh my gosh. And Ooh. one three going backwards to tie. The, that was to tie it, right? Uh, and then to tie yes. it and then to take the lead, I believe. And it yes. was, I mean, that crowd oh was And electric. you just knew. You just knew something magical was going to happen. You felt like that was Courtney, the moment. You felt like. Courtney Williams was not going to be denied. Right. It was the, exactly. And then a and then minute she, later, she, less than a minute later. Like, and. And before you know it, boom, it's a 10-point lead. Yeah. Who does that? It was just, I'll tell you who does that. Diana Taurasi On the does road. That. Who does that it's on crazy. the road? Like, it makes Phoenix. no sense. And that's why, I mean, you know, once again, it was a game. Look, the, the big three are the, the dominant story and should be. I think mm-hmm. in this story, this game, I know that uh, BG and Diana both had 27. And I don't think um, Bonner was far behind. <laughs> yes. And yes. Uh, but listen, every let's go back to Sandy. Every they have a very short rotation. They're really only kind of doing six or seven at this point mm-hmm, on their rotation. Mm-hmm. But those Brian January, Stephanie Talbot, who literally, mm-hmm. literally didn't even get minutes earlier in the season. Right, <laughs> like, she was. And she was got DNP down the road. She's yes. clutch. These players know their assignments. They are always exactly. in the right place, and exactly. that's you. You know that allows them to get away with having such a short rotation they don't have to score a bunch of of baskets they don't have to you know take the games over but if they have players in there messing up the the big stars might not be able to do anything about it right but they are not messing up well and in fairness there were plenty of mess ups on both teams the difference though was that the connecticut or uh, the connecticut sun just were not able to 
keep the composure. And once the game started getting, once, <laughs> once Brittany Griner gets that block on Courtney Williams, oh Courtney God. Williams, um, you know, who had come through so many times for Connecticut. Once, you know, they, they, they get a foul here and there, they throw the ball away. And then you just see possession after possession end up empty. The Connecticut Sun have not yet learned how to get that back. Right. Whereas Phoenix, when that was happening to them, first of all, that happened to them in the first half. They didn't let that happen to them in the second half. And then another story that was told a lot, Stephanie Talbot, she shot an air ball. There were a few air balls. Yeah. I, I mean, just tired legs. You could tell. Their, their travel was just as uh, grueling as I'm sure Ari will tell you more about the Sparks travel coming from the West Coast. And you could tell their legs were tired, but they found a way. Talbot shoots an air ball. Her team is like, no, you got this. Keep shooting, keep shooting. And, you know, she hits an important three. Again, Brittany Griner, a player that didn't get a lot of touches, wasn't getting a lot of looks in the first half. Bonner goes up to her like, come on, BG, we need you. We need you to get aggressive. And she's like, okay, I got it. We're going to do this. Diana Taurasi, Sandy Brundello said to us, the media, I don't even know if she, she really shot the ball, you know, toward in that fourth quarter, but she was getting rebounds over John Paul Jones. She's uh, getting fouls. You know, she, she's um, making plays, all of the things that you need for a team to win. Best player in the world, easily. We know she can put her team on her back, but what that meant for her and this Phoenix team on on Thursday was not for her to take all the shots, but for her to create and give the confidence to her team. And you can only imagine that that's going to bode well as now they go into a five-game series. Yeah, absolutely. And before we move on, which we are uh, very quickly, uh, can we just have a moment of appreciation for Sandy Brondello's hot pink pantsuit oh that she was wearing? Oh, my God. Yes, Erica. I was here for it. Oh, oh my God. God. It was, was like, so slay. You're allowed to compliment clothes after you've talked about their skills for a while. Then you can compliment their clothes, okay? Ooh, I saw her walk on the court. I was like, honey. I loved it. I mean, it was neon pink pantsuit. It was, it was lovely. It was just, it was phenomenal. All right. <laughs> Do you think that going into next season... Connecticut has both Chenea Gumake and John Call Jones on their roster. Ooh. Um, well, Kurt Miller seems to think so. Um, he did not speak about uh, those two in particular, but um, felt confident that, you know, he has the majority of his team on contract. You know, what makes it interesting about Chenea is that she has had injuries um, throughout her career and, she has already really lined up something else. She knows she's a full-time analyst for ESPN. It's something that she loves to do. It's a passion, but you do wonder, you know, when those roads will, will start to, to head off in, in different directions. Um, I think Kurt, after the game, also said, even outside of those players, he thinks he has good pieces, but will still need to evaluate whether through the draft or or otherwise, if, if there are a few pieces that they need, I, I think personally they need a, a, a good few players, uh, if not one key player that has playoff experience. Yeah, they need some um, and, you know, Phoenix has that experience in the old format. And why I feel that's important, and I wrote this for High Post Hoops, the reason I think that's important is because uh, prior to what I guess is now three years, 
three years ago, if you got to the playoffs, you were going into a, a series right away. Right. Whereas the Connecticut Sun have now for two seasons straight gone into the playoffs and only played one game and have not won right. a playoff game under Kurt Miller. So the experience is not the same. You're not getting as many reps. Um, you're, you're just not really getting the full feel of the playoffs in order to get over the hump and get to that, you know, five game series, because again, you just, you just don't have that experience. So I think that that makes a difference. Even Diana Taurasi said, <laughs> you know, Courtney Williams shoots that shot. We're getting down to, you know, under five minutes. You know, we were looking around like, oh shoot, this might be it. Diana Taurasi says that. And I think she believed it because I believed it. I was like, oh, my gosh, this no, game, we, this is going to be crazy. Yeah. But she said in that moment, and I think it's because she knows what anything can happen in the playoffs. She knew and her team knew, all right, had that thought, push it to the side. Let's focus on us. What do we need to do? Who needs to touch the ball? What needs to happen next? And she said it. We went possession by possession. If you don't know that, then you're not ever going to be ready for it. And Connecticut, unfortunately, is is learning the hard way. So I think they still need a little bit of something. I think they need a veteran that can come in there and, and really get them poised for the playoffs. But I don't think they're far. I don't think they're far either. I mean, I think they if you gotten them into the semis, they could have absolutely made it to the finals. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's it's it's. It's a really tight league this year, but I, mm-hmm. I look. I'm a huge John Quall Jones fan as a person and her game, and it's you know I know she's going to win six Woman of the Year already has won it or whatever, but yeah. And she did start a lot of games this year, especially when Chanae was dealing with injuries. But I just it's it's tough to see like a person who I think should be a transcendent talent in this league coming off the bench, you know, and yeah. and more because of circumstances now. She did not play well to start the year. She can't. She missed training camp because of some visa issues and I think some family right. things. And right. she didn't come into training camp in great shape. So right. or into the season in great shape. So I think she'll learn her lesson there, um, uh, right, for next year because she 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 got in shape as the season went on and became the dominant force that we saw last year. Yeah. Um, and but that kind of goes to my earlier point. I agree. I think that John Quill Jones has a lot of talent. I think though, unlike a uh, Brianna Stewart, unlike a Brittany Griner or a Dewana Bonner, who is John Quill Jones learning under? Right. Who is giving her, hey, work on your fitness. Yeah. Make sure you're you're focusing on what you're eating. Are you right with with you know even your agent and communication and you know what are you doing to prepare yourself um you know for what's coming next who does she have to help her with that there's there's nobody really who's at who's been able to play in the WNBA at the level that everyone is expecting John Quill Jones to play at she's playing with a lot of role players and they're role players that are getting it done it's a good core they they mesh well together outside of that little altercation that we mentioned but you know what I'm saying like um but but they're role players and you need if not a player then you need a coach to kind of be able to usher them through. And Kurt Miller, I think, is a great coach. But again, there are just some things that come with experience. Not, And there's nothing wrong with saying that. That's just how it is, particularly in this league. The WNBA is arguably the best 
women's professional league, at least talent wise. And, you know, you, you got to cut your teeth in order to, to really push through and get to that next level. Yeah, maybe, you know, maybe they could bring in a former player as an assistant coach, you know, a, a player yeah. who's looking for some coaching. Because um, I know there are a lot of legends of, of the game who are looking for coaching opportunities. And yep. I think something like that, you're totally right, could make a really, really big difference uh, going forward for this team. And But look, I think I, I read something on, on social media today, you know, it's this is John Quell's third year. It's what, mm-hmm. Courtney's third year. Um, right. And, I, you know, it's a young team. And, and somebody uh, said, you know, Look, Diana Taurasi didn't make the play, didn't uh, even win it. She, she didn't have success in the playoffs until her, until fourth, her fourth year. season. Fourth yeah, season. that was Amber Cox. Yeah, yeah okay, their, right. their GM. Yep, exactly. And it's a good point. And that's yep. why, and, and even Amber said, um, you know, and she's, uh, I believe, um, she's an executive front office right, for yeah. Connecticut. I don't want to um, mistake her title. Um, and she's right. Again, the Sun, they are on the right path. But even after what I would consider, and I, I know Kurt feels the same, a successful season, back-to-back 21-plus game win, uh, game winning, or 21-plus wins in yeah. a season, th- th- it's still okay, though, to tweak. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and to know that things have to get better. And sometimes that means making hard decisions. And, you know, I don't doubt that Kurt can do that. Um, but, you know... Th- that's what I'll be looking for with this Connecticut Sun team to see, um, you know, how committed they are. Because, again, they're so close. Their talent has gotten them so close. And now it's just about refining, refining, refining. Yeah. I just – I'm going to be frank here. I don't think you can go – I think you need to nurture John Quell like she's a superstar. I mean, she's super laid back, and that's not going to be really easy because of her personality. Mm-hmm. And I right. don't think you can do that with her coming on the bench. You know what I mean? She needs yeah. to be the go-to person. I think Chanae is on a much bigger contract than John Quell, who's, I think, still even on her rookie deal probably. Yeah. And I think that you can get some really good good uh, trade value for Chanae because she's incredibly I talented. Agree. But I think I John Quell's your future. You know, and I agree with you. Yeah. I agree with you. I was surprised. I was pleasantly surprised to see what Cheney could do. But I think you're right. I think that, you know, it might be time to make moves. And I think that's going to be a hard conversation because, again, her broadcasting career is keeping her in Connecticut. Right. I should say being in Connecticut is definitely it's works. helping her. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. Um, but again, this is a business. And, you know, that's what I'm saying. What what um what moves are they going to make to make sure that the team collectively knows, hey, we're doing this. Hop on board or, you know, good luck to you when we come when we come for you. Totally. <laughs> like, All right. You know. Let's so let's let's look forward. They face Seattle now. Fe- uh, Phoenix faces Seattle now in the semis. I've you know, I, I'll my pick for the finals before this was was Seattle Mystics, and so I'll you know I'm gonna stick with that, not be a party pooper. But I think one of the tough things about this is, even though it's just been a week, it's not even been a week. It just feels like so much has happened in the past few days that Seattle is very much out of sight, out of mind. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's like you forget a little bit about how good they are and how good they have been this season, especially when you see. Phoenix's big three in action. Yeah. You know, and someone else said this, uh, Lorene, uh, more or less, kind of, 
the impression that I got from her comment was that, you know, the Seattle Storm, they're kind of like uh, like a, a San Antonio Spurs or kind of even like Golden State, you know, two or three seasons ago in that they just play their game. It's not necessarily flashy. Um, it's not going to necessarily pack a top 10 list or, you know, a highlight reel, but what they do is effective. And so I think that also plays into, you kind of forget about the Seattle storm, but you know, I don't think any of the teams in the playoffs are forgetting that that's the number one team. And so in that way, they of course have a, have a a target on their back. So I I think it's going to be interesting to see if Seattle can keep that composure. I think, you know, John Hughes has done a great job bringing Dan this Hughes, team yeah. to get, or excuse me, Dan yeah. Hughes. I'm thinking of the director. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're pretty. You're still thinking of the pink pantsuit, the pretty in pink. I'm tired. <laughs> and even when I said it, I was like, that's not right. Yeah, I do that literally every time I talk. So. Um, Dan Hughes, thank you. Um, I think you know his team kind of plays like his demeanor he's a fun guy he's cool calm and collected but he knows basketball and i tell you what ain't nothing wrong with that you want someone who knows basketball when you're in the playoffs and again going back to that vet- veteran experience uh sue bird much you sue heard of bird, her sue bird it's kind bird. of a big deal and how good is she like what oh my god what is she doing she she's having a better season this year her and yes. Diana are both having like seasons like they had like back in 2010. Yes. Like it's because I tell you, Ugh. listen, I'm gonna be honest. Last season and certainly the season before that, I was like, I don't know, I don't know, Sue, no. I don't know, Sue. Yeah, I don't know. You know, her shot wasn't looking great. Mm-hmm. Um, you you see some mistakes from from the backcourt that were uncharacteristic, but I think she made a commitment. And you know what? What is scary to me even as low-key as the Seattle team is, this is what's scary to me. Everyone talks about Diana Taurasi, now 13-0, and 0, elimination games. Let's not forget that Brianna Stewart is undefeated in championships in, from her time at UConn. Right. And she came into this season with her eyes, her heart, her mind set on getting to the championship and getting to the finals. And if someone like that, who has just, all she does is win quite literally. If she came into the season that focused and really has been able to back it up. I mean, number one seed, what we didn't even know if Seattle was going to make the playoffs the last two seasons. And now they're the number one seed. I'm, I'm listen, I'm not, I'm (laughs) Seattle could be dangerous. They could cause some problems for people. No, absolutely. I mean, I, like this matchup, you know, I was I was talking on the Locked On Women's Basketball podcast last night when I was a little bit delirious, and uh, <laughs> Ben had me call in after all the, you know, to give an immediate reaction to everything. And you know, one thing they said is, you could tell me any results from here on yes. out, and I would believe you. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Absolutely, like, you, could you know, tell yeah. me, Absolutely. you could tell me anything, and, and I'd be I, like, oh yeah, you got it. Yeah. You know, the only one that would maybe surprise me at this point would be Atlanta winning the championship. But even mm. that, I, I could find logic to. Do you Ooh. know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I can get oh, yeah. there with, you know? Whereas last year, going into these semifinals, you knew that the Mystics in Phoenix, because BG wasn't, you know, was not, uh, was she out of the, she was She was back, but she wasn't herself, yeah. right? She, right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and, and you just 
new. I mean, they were both sweeps. You and and it didn't even feel that. You know, it just never felt like the Mystics or the Mercury had a shot against the Lynx or the Sparks in the semis, you know. But but this year, uh, I do not feel that way. <laughs> no, not at all. And, I, uh, oh, it's going to be exciting. It's yeah. going to be exciting. Right. You, I'm, I'm going to force you to make a prediction right now. Ooh, gosh. All right. Five games start on the road. First two in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, man. I'm going to take... Seattle in four. Okay. I like it. I'm going to say Seattle in five. Um, okay. I think it's going to be, I mean, we're going to learn a lot about Brianna Stewart. Not that we didn't learn on college and we know everything about her, but look, she came into the season saying, I'm not going to be on a, a sub 500 team. I'm not going to have nope. another like 18 and 16 season or whatever they've been having, you know, and she's been the MVP. And now we're going to see like, all right, now you're facing off, you know, in a best of five series against Tarasi, Griner and Bonner. Mm-hmm. Show us what you got. Show us what you yeah. got, Natasha Howard. Jewel exactly. Lloyd. Show, are, are you going to be the beginning of the season, Ju- Jewel Lloyd? Alicia right. Clark. Like, come on. Come on, people. <laughs> I, I like it. Yeah. It's, We're going to learn a lot about them, you know? Even, yeah, even though I picked uh, Seattle, I think you're absolutely right. They're the ones that have to prove it. Even though they're the one seed, they're the ones that have to prove that they belong there. Yeah. Because they haven't, I mean, they, yeah, this isn't. They haven't been been in the mix the past few years. All right. Nope. Well, this was a nice short conversation. Everyone stay (laughs) tuned because we have a whole nother conversation going. But Erica, thank you so much. Uh, I could literally talk about you, talk about women's basketball with you for (laughs) just hours on end. And that's really what we do. So thanks for joining us. And I hope you'll come back. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure. And you know, I'm always ready to to burn some things. Let's torch it. (laughs) Yes. Hello. All right. Now I'm joined by Ari Chambers. Ari, how are you? I am living a life, Lindsay. <laughs> you, you really are. Uh, Ari <laughs> is talking to us from uh, rich people's places in Atlanta. <laughs> She has made it, um, and it's really kind of astounding that she'll still even talk with us here on this oh podcast. God. I'm the dramatic one, Lindsay. I'm the dramatic one. <laughs> All right, so we've got her to send the butler away for a few minutes, and <laughs> I'm just giving her. We're so out of control. So out of control. <laughs> All right. Look, you have been living the life this past week, the life of a WNBA player who was traveling all around the world. Oh, man. I mean, or just all around this country back and forth. You were at the, I don't know, you've been everywhere, but I know you were at the the Sparks-Lynx game, the battle, the championship royale battle in Los Angeles for the first round. Yeah, take us through it. What was that like? Before I take you through it, just let me let the viewers know or the listeners know that I followed the Sparks the past two weeks, and it is not easy to go over four thousand miles in four days. And I just commend every WNBA player that can do that because I'm tired. Imagine playing games through that. So we fast forward to or rewind to the Lynx Sparks game, which is you know great rivalry, Um, and. It's inevitable that one of the past two years, 
champions is, is going to be eliminated, right? So in the first you know, round, the first round, first round. And so it, initially it looked like the Lynx were just going to come in and smack them. I mean, they went on, I think, 11-2 run. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't until about the end of the first quarter where L.A. was like, oh, my God, we're, we're down by this much at home. And it was a click in Chelsea Gray. I think that either Brian Agler or Neko or both, actually, I know that both of them said something to her, like, if we don't get it together, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna be out. So a switch just went off in her, and she rallied for her team and just dropping threes, you know, driving in the lane. And it was almost like the Lynx um, showed significant, <laughs> not fatigue, but, but age, even though they're roughly the same age. So it was really interesting to watch um, under the guidance of Chelsea Gray. And then NECA, who was coming off a of mono, that played and taking all the contact in the world. I mean, she's scoring under contact. These aren't like open looks that she's getting, uh, you know, those you don't points. get open she's, looks against Sylvia Fowles. Yeah. Know. Yeah. You just don't. So she, that was some effort. And I think I do believe she took a charge or two. So it's a lot of contact to take under that. And, you know, Raquana silently hit her threes and did Raquana things. And, um, this was all while Candace Parker was held to two points. She was, uh, sick after the first quarter and then after the game she was really really sick so um yeah that's that's basically what happened in the Lynx game and la was able to pull it through with the help of chelsea and Neca. and let's be honest with the help of some really uncharacteristic misses by maya moore down the street. oh my god no those two free throws that she missed i was shocked <laughs> Was it two or was it three? I don't know, but it was it was bad. It was, it was two at the very end. It was, I think a minute thirty one left. It could have been. They could have gotten them back in within you know, one. I think it was yeah, within one. Yeah, yeah. they and they then, were within three. Mm-hmm. And then LA, you know, scored after that too, and so it basically solidified their win. It was just a freak moment <laughs> in my more history that you know was so uncharacteristic. I mean, you say a freak moment, but let's be honest. I mean, look, part of covering women's basketball and loving the sport is having the tough conversations too, yeah. right? And holding the players accountable. Yeah. Like that that comes with coverage. It can't all be, you know, just rah-rah. Unicorns, and, yeah. And, and look, Maya Moore was not great this year. I don't think she would make my list of top 10 players in the league just based You're on right. performances. You're right, but free throws, but free throws. No, 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 I know. No, no, <laughs> I'm saying, but what what do we make? I just feel like there's not enough kind of conversations. Like, if this was LeBron having this bad of a season, do you know what You're I mean? Right. Like, You're right. it yeah. would be it would be the hot take topic of everyone. And I'm not saying mm-hmm. we need to blow this way out of proportion, but I think it's worth mm-hmm. a conversation. What, what, I mean, she wasn't a bad player this year, but she certainly yeah. was not nearly as efficient as she was. She had about a 10 game stretch, maybe eight to 10 game stretch, um, about a third of the way through the season where she mm-hmm. seemed to kind of recapture her Maya Mornis. But after All-Star, that went mm-hmm. away too. What do we make of this? Was this just kind of a fluke season where the compressed schedule put so much more pressure on her and the pieces around her were falling apart with Waylon and Augustus and Brunston all having, you know, struggling this year. And she just felt too much pressure. Was she fatigued? I mean, she won a championship in Russia right before coming here, you know, mm-hmm. and, and got here late. Is she just fatigued or uh, are we concerned that maybe this is the trajectory of her career right now? 
Um, I think it's a whole team problem. Yeah. I, not even problem. I think that the way their offense is structured, they'd like to, you know, set something up. And as opposed to the future or the now of the league, which is like, you know, run, 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 push ball and transition. And, you know, it's just a different pace that the Lynx weren't able to, you know, accommodate that this year. Yeah. And so you can't create when everybody's, you know, speeding past you and yeah. they have the quicker hands and they, you know, they can still the ball from you and, and you're over here playing strictly fundamental basketball. Right. Like, that's a beautiful thing. But when you have everybody else run, 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 tap the ball out your hands and run, come up from behind and run, you know, you're going to you're gonna get not such a good result. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I mean, you said, look, the Sparks are certainly a veteran team, but they have young, some young starters, your younger mm-hmm. starters. I mean, Chelsea Gray is just, you know, 25. 25. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that gives them some youth and athleticism that mm-hmm. uh, the, the Lynx do not even have a little bit of right now. I know. And so, you know, the Lynx just kind of had their post-mortem day, their, you know, goodbye media day today. And we found out a few things. We found out that Maya and Sylvia both won't be going overseas this year. They're going to rest, which is great, which is terrible news for every other team in the league because that means they're going to be that much better. Um, Obviously, we know. It's funny because, Lindsay, I just tweeted. I was like, don't be surprised if your favorite players won't be going and everybody gave me hell they were like who's not going i was like look chill chill just don't be surprised yeah and and i mean i I know you tweeted that we were in the same press conference and we'll talk about that in a minute with neca and candace and neither one of them i asked them point blank are you going overseas and they uh there was very much a non-answer there yeah candace candace is undecided yeah um yeah but that's what i mean like they don't know and they don't know usually they know and um so, you know, I think that that's, that's going to be really good for Maya and Sylvia to get that rest. I mm-hmm. think Rebecca and Simone are both still mm-hmm. undecided. We'll have to see. They don't go overseas at this point in their career anyways, so that's not an issue. But we're going to have mm-hmm. to see. Uh, Lindsay Whalen, I miss her already. I mean, it's it's I tough. Cause, well, I think it was her time. Oh, it was her yeah, time, right. 100%. <laughs> and I've been, I'm not going to say I've been tough on her the past few years. I've been calling it like I see it and saying, like, mm-hmm. this is becoming a liability at this point, you know, except, you know, in, in big times, you know, it was time. It was time for her to to say goodbye and for the links to move on. But mm-hmm. uh, I will miss her a lot. And uh, I'm so glad she's, you know, we're going to get to see her on the sidelines. Um, yeah, so, yeah I, I don't know. It's gonna be interesting. But so the Sparks, they win this incredibly emotional game. Chelsea Gray is pretty much crying afterwards, you know, talking <laughs> how proud she is of the team of their fight. They finish this game at about 940 p.m. L.A. time. Mm-hmm. And immediately... Uh, you know, they go home, maybe get four or five hours of sleep. Yeah, they had to get up at four to get uh, catch a six o'clock flight. That's just ridiculous. And come all the way back to D.C. And they had been in D.C., as had you, just about (laughs) five days before that for a game against the Mystics. Um, I want to say it was less than five because I just feel like it had to be less than five. Good God. It was just. It was Friday to Thursday. So. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's six, actually. But. Oh, shoot. (laughs) (laughs) It just felt so. No, I know. No, but it's, it's a lot. I mean, it's a lot of back and forth. And. You know, there's also that Connecticut game in between. The Connecticut game was five games, five days ago. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was something. Yeah. So, uh, 
the mystics, the three seed, the three seed curse that we were waiting for um, the past uh-huh. two years of this playoff format, no three seed is advanced. And it was something I know the mystics were aware of. <laughs> I know uh-huh. the fans were aware of. And even when you have a Los Angeles team coming that is dealing with illness and fatigue and all of these things, I know on paper, <laughs> I would have said there, this should be a comfortable win by the Mystics. The Mystics uh-huh. absolutely have the talent to beat this team, especially on a few days of rest. They seemed incredibly confident. I was at their practice the day before. They were incredibly confident, seemed incredibly focused. And yet... Because the Sparks are the Sparks, because Candace mm-hmm. Parker and Neka Gumake are Candace Parker and Neka Gumake. At least you know. Chelsea Gray, <laughs> you feel that the Sparks are still, I think the Sparks were even still favored going into the game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. nobody, was, I think it was like a six-point favorite or something. Yeah, like nobody was willing to like look at what people, the statistics told us that the Mystics should have this game, you know. But, you know, history told us something different. What were your expectations going into this game? Um, if I can be brutally honest, I knew the Mystics were going to win. Yeah. Um, I just, you you have that youthfulness of the Mystics. You have a Christy Tolliver that's shooting her best season. Well, not her best, but, like, she's shooting up there, you know. Elena, who's on fire. You have Tosh Cloud, who came out of nowhere. Ariel Atkins, you know, Thomas is out there, too. It's just, like... You have so many factors within your team. And then you have the Did you just name check Crystal Thomas? I said Crystal Thomas. I know. I love that. <laughs> I, I dropped it just because of you, darling. People, just don't, because of you. people don't usually mention her. I don't think I've seen her play any minutes. <laughs> but you know, I only said it because of you. But like Ariel Atkins, Tasha Cloud. Latoya you know, Sanders. Latoya Sanders. Mm-hmm. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> Um, but you have this, this usefulness of this team. You have the athleticism of this team. And it, honestly, I wanted to see them play Connecticut, but whatever. Um, <laughs> in alternative universe. But you have this team that has had all this rest, hasn't had to travel, you know, has really nothing to lose. <laughs> They're going to well, come. Well, I wouldn't say that. I mean, they made it to the semifinals last year. Mm-hmm. And uh, I it would have been a huge huge disappointment to after having the third best record in the WNBA and having this remarkable season to not mm-hmm. even get back to the semifinals. I they, just think that they play like they have nothing. But they, trust they me, play. they felt the pressure. Trust me. Yeah. They felt the pressure big time. <laughs> <laughs> but you have all these components to the Mystics and all you have to do run. I was telling you during the game, all they have to do is get down that lane and just lay it up because they're, the sparks are—it's like a, they're almost a half second behind on defense, maybe a full second. We don't know, but like maybe one point five. It's, it's pretty point, bad. Yeah. Once you get them in the lane, they can finish, and it's just the mystics, and it's just uh, painful kind of to watch how many times that they just allowed mystics to like run through them and lay it up, and it, it was it was getting to be painful. Candace Parker painful. at times looked like a ghost in the paint. Like it looked like I love her. And I know she was exhausted, but it looked like people were literally running through her at times. I know that sounds really harsh. And I, mm-hmm. I'm not expecting you to say anything. Okay, great. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, the, it was I mean, bad. I, and I... I, 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 I can't, it's, 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 she got eight. She got eight up. Okay, so I'm sorry. She got eight up. Yeah. It, it happened. And she, it I think happened. she would tell you. I don't think she would think it was her best game. 
But yeah, so (laughs) Ari's good friends with Candace, in case anyone's wondering. So that's why. uh, Um, But I mean, I call it how I see it, and I just, I just told you what I saw. So I saw it happen. We all saw it happen. Good God, the whole ESPN audience saw it happen. But um, yeah, but when when you're when you go in, you're already tired, and you get yourself in a deficit like that, and then you let a team go forty-four and eighteen on you. That's, I mean. And then Candace and Neca were talking about in the press conference how you have to, you know, set yourself up in a good position before you have to dig yourself out. You have to handle business initially before, you know, you think you're going to succeed in the long run. And L.A. didn't come to handle business. They just didn't. No. And I mean, they came out and they got up to, I think, like maybe an 11-6 lead, Uh 11-5 lead. They, they, the first few minutes and there was a moment there where it felt like, Maybe they're going to get some momentum going. And if this mm-hmm. becomes a bullying match, I know Christy Tolliver really thought, and she had warned the players that this might turn into just like a really physical battle. And that's what and it, she, did. it did. Huh? <laughs> you didn't think so? I don't know. I mean, maybe it was just so it, it didn't not like their last one did. Cause the mystics didn't get sucked into playing LA's pace. Yeah, and, and that's LA's what they were worried about. I, yeah. I talked to one of them. And they were like, well, we're afraid that they're going to slow us down. Yeah, because that's yeah. what they did. So in, in case we weren't paint, uh, weren't watching that Friday, the Friday night game of the regular season, just less uh-huh. than a week ago, the Mystics, or a week ago, I guess now, um, you know, Mystics won on a buzzer beater 69 to 67 against uh-huh. the Sparks. So super low scoring game. And this uh-huh. game, the Mystics won 96 to 64. So uh-huh. the Mystics did not get sucked in. I mean, they, and, and I, you know, I said this in, in my write up and I said this, they didn't just look like the more rested team. They looked like the more athletic team. The, yeah. You know, I mean, but that's true. Yeah, though. yeah it is. It, and that, yeah, it, it absolutely is. And one of the things that the mystics have done so well this year and that his, it's just such a big difference is all five of their starters have the ability are shooters. You know, uh-huh. I mean, every single person in their starting lineup is averaging. Natasha Cloud is the lowest uh, starter as far as points, and she's averaging almost nine points a game, you know? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So you don't have, and that, I know that's not like a whole lot, but, it, you know, when you know you're going to have Deladon scoring 20, 25 per game, you know, you know Christy is going to be scoring 15, 20 a game. If you uh-huh. then have three other starters that are sniffing around 10 points each, what uh-huh. are you going to do? You're deadly. <laughs> like that's. I, and I want to give a little shout out to the the minute and 30 that Shizori had with her three plays in a row where she just lit it up. And the first one was a steal. And then she got two nice little, you know, shots up. So we are happy for Shatori for getting playing time. Whoop, whoop. But like it, it's, it's a testament. Shatori to fan club deep, right here. Shatori no, but it's, it's, it's a testament to the deep bench they have. Do oh, you know what I mean? Like Maisha, you know, like it's a testament. And I just. I'm excited for next week. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I mean, this was, it was a great game for the Mystics. And I think it really proved to them. They moved the ball better than they ever have. Mm -hmm. And they're going to have to do that against Atlanta. Because Atlanta is such a good defensive team. Oh, yeah. Um, Oh, yeah. But they're not going to get those open lanes like they did in L.A. Because they have (laughs) Williams down there, like, ready to block. Jessica Breeland down there, ready to block. And is just tall. So, you know, like... And very skilled, too. Yeah, yeah. So, like, you have you have these people down low that aren't going to 
you know, and they're younger, so they're not going to let you have that, you know, that lane. And they're very well rested. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Very. I mean, they've been chilling probably on beaches and stuff. I think they're bored at this point. Um, Yeah. At this point. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I mean, so everyone, so now the Mystics are are going to Atlanta. They're going to face a best of five series against Atlanta. Last year, they were the surprise a surprise semifinalist. They faced the Lynx. They did not win a single game. They got bullied off of the court. Ever since training camp, they've talked about how much they learned from that experience, from playing in those semifinals. You know, this playoff format as it is, it doesn't allow you to get much playoff experience, right? You're right. Um, Because there's so many one-and-done games. And I think for Mm -hmm. teams like Connecticut, it's super detrimental, you know? Uh And Dallas, you know, it's super detrimental because you're not even getting to play through and lose three games. You know, you're not getting that, like, you know, that that feel of a series. But the Mystics got that against the Lynx last year. You know, they, they hosted Dallas in the first round of the playoffs, beat Dallas in a close game, Went to New York where Christy Tolliver went off and she had nine three pointers, mm-hmm. and they just took down Madison Square Garden. And then that was, that was <laughs> it the, was the, so brutal. It was oh, <laughs> it was just like Christy really like it was rude. Like honestly, points. it was rude. Like, I was just yeah. like that's just not that's just not fair. It's <laughs> um, just not fair. And and you know like I said so, but it's been interesting. And I've kind of thought that maybe they were overblowing it a little bit there's been times where i've thought that uh tebow was maybe forcing that narrative a little bit Uh but goodness maybe not you know (laughs) maybe not here it's going to be interesting because there are a lot atlanta's i mean they've got some experience they're not as young as like a connecticut but well they have renee who's coming off of a you know a championship and so that's one thing and you know jessica breland's pretty experienced but you know i just this this will be interesting because, you know, you have a whole bunch of people who haven't been playoffs on that team. Including their coach, you know? Yeah, yeah, Nikki. But Nikki has worked some wonders that none of us could have predicted. Oh, coach right. of the year for sure. I mean, I yeah, don't want to. Yeah, like, so I mean, that's going to be interesting. It's hard to talk about this without sounding like I'm discounting what Atlanta has done this year. Mm-hmm. Because I don't want to. I mean, we, you and I talked, I think, at the beginning of the season, being like, Atlanta looks really fun, but how in the world are these pieces? Are these pieces going to yeah. fit together? You I, know? I thought it was going to be an overwhelming amount and nobody would know their role. That's what I thought was going to happen. Well, and honestly, the first 10, 12 games, that's mm-hmm. exactly what it was. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but for some reason, the chemistry, because you know I spent a lot of time in Atlanta last summer, the chemistry is different. The dynamic is different. Even Angel is different, even though she's injured now. But, like, it's just... It's a mold where they they genuinely like each other, yeah. so they play for one another, and that's like a not not something that you write off. How do you feel like that changed? What do you feel like the change was there? I have no idea because it's a be lot honest. of the same players. <laughs> you you add a Renee Montgomery, you yeah. add a Jessica Breland, you add an Alex Bentley, you add you know Angel comes back. True, Monique Billings. That's true. Yeah. Amani's actually getting time. It's a completely different team. You're right. You're right. <laughs> yeah, it's completely different. Um, but <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, D.B. hasn't played, so, like, people are – Damaris Dantes hasn't played, so people are having to, you know – Thank you. I honestly had no idea who you are talking about for a <laughs> So, I mean, you know, people assume the roles and, and play them well, and that's what's happened. And well, the beginning of the season, Elizabeth wasn't doing as well as she's doing now. And, you know – she got it together. The team got it together. And it's beyond her tip is she has a fire lit up under her because or Tiffany Hayes, my God, has a fire lit up under her. And it's, you know, Sykes is okay with coming off the bench and giving that spark. It's just, 
again, depth. Depth. And I think that both of these teams have a lot of depth. They both have uh-huh. a lot of athleticism. Uh-huh. And they're both really looking to prove something. And I think that uh, they're also both peaking at the right time. You know, I mean, uh-huh. these, are, these are two teams. The Mystics have only lost once since All-Star. And that one loss, honestly, I don't even think super counts. It was to the Lynx and it was after... It was after the seeds had already been set for the playoffs, uh-huh. and it was the final game. It was Lindsey Whalen's retirement game, and uh-huh. uh, he didn't play the starters in the fourth quarter because it didn't matter. The seeding didn't matter. You know, the yeah. playoffs were coming, and, uh-huh. and they lost by five, and, I mean, Minnesota played really well, but, uh, you know, I, that's a di- I think it's a different story is what I'm saying yeah. a little bit. Yeah. If, if I just – I don't count that as an actual loss, and um, – so, you know, the Mystics have just been been firing, and if they can keep that going, I do think they have a shot in the series, and I would honestly, just as someone who doesn't want to stop covering this league this year right now, <laughs> I, I want them to keep winning, but uh, Atlanta's probably one of the teams that I have the soft spot for the most. Just the players on that team are just so wonderful, and the way they've come together, the way they, they really do seem to fight for each other and just cherish their time together is... Mm-hmm. It's fun to watch. I know. It's it's like, like I said, it's it might be the quote-unquote same team, but it's just like their dynamic is just completely, they love each other, and it shows. And I love that about Atlanta. And I, I, I'm rooting for them to win. But, you know, Mystics, you know, that's some little hearts right there too. So I don't even know. I don't mm-hmm. even know. I think they're, they're both athletic. They're both at a fast pace. They both have good perimeter shooting. They both, you know, like it's just like, and I think the battle under the basket between Sanders and Williams is going to be really fun. I think that's going yeah, to be a yeah. really fun matchup because, uh, you know, Sanders with her reflexes and the cerebral way that Williams plays the game. I was about to say, I, I heard cerebral. I was like, you're talking about Elizabeth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's true, and she admits, yeah. you know, I mean, she – uh anyways i think that's that's a fun that's a fun matchup so in uh, uh jessica breland's arms i'm looking forward to them getting longer every time i look at her because that's just she's been phenomenal this year kudos to her kudos all right uh ari what's your what's your prediction who who are we seeing in the final you know uh coach Thibault said something that you know stuck with me and about them, if, if they just win one game in Atlanta, I think the Mystics are going to take it. Yeah, I do. I agree. I think if they win one game, the Mystics have Atlanta. So right now it's up in the air. Um, I'm going for Atlanta. Okay. I'm going for Atlanta. All right. But if, but if they get one game, it's going to be Mystics. But I'm and, going for Atlanta And right who, now. Who, who are they facing? They're, they're facing Seattle. Yeah. They're okay. facing Seattle. Right. It's, that's my prediction. They're, they're facing I picked Mystics in Seattle at the beginning of all this. And as I think I said in the last segment, I'll stick to it. But you could tell me it's Atlanta Phoenix and I would not bad an eye. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I, I don't want to root against DT because she's playing some great basketball. But oh. it gets to a point where you're just going to, I just think that Seattle's going to take that. All right. right. Thank you for coming back. It was lovely to have you. Thanks for having me, Lindsay. Bye. Bye.